Welcome to another episode of Axe of the Blood God, an independent RPG podcast. I'm your host, Kat Bailey. Joining me as always, my lovely co-host, Nadia Oxford. Hello, Ketchup Bailey. Great to see you today. We have a full house. Cat, Bla- Cat Blaley st- strikes again, right? It must be Friday. <laughs> also joining me is my equally lovely co-host, Eric Van Ellen. What's up? Gotta catch them all, Bailey. How you doing? <laughs> and we have uh, two special guests joining us for the very first time. Who do we have? Hello, this is Igor Wesho. Thank you so much for having me. I'm a feature contributor and fanbite, a freelancer, and yeah, and I do a lot of stuff from uh, Argentina. So yeah, thank you for having me. And who else do we have joining us on the line? It's our returning pal. Hey, it's me. Hey, we got we got a fanbite duo up in here. Well, I mean, we'll talk about soul hackers, but Diego out here also. Uh, he's a merc out there whoever pay, pays <laughs> hey, pay, pay the man pay the man and he'll do some, he'll, he'll do some work for you some good work so uh yeah it's your boy michael Hyam coming to you live from the bay area Ooh, and uh yeah i'm here to talk about some rpgs you know the vibes another bay area journalists uh, they're becoming less and less frequent these days as they I know. move it's to places that are actually affordable <laughs> facts <laughs> True facts. Well, I have we have Michael and Diego on this week because we're going to be talking about Soul Hackers too. Both of both of them have played it. Uh, both are into the personas. We're going to talk all about that one. We're also going to talk about the big Embracer acquisition. Uh, the Embracer Group is just one giant blob that is taking mm-hmm. over mm-hmm. all of your IPs and turning them into something horrible i suppose and of course we'll have all of the other usual segments this week before we get to that though uh if you enjoy the podcast thank you very much can you leave us a review on the podcatcher of your choice you can also find me on twitter at the underscore cap is at nadia oxford and eric is at c moosey and uh diego michael you're our special guests why don't you tell us where to find you start with you diego go yeah, you can find me on Twitter, uh, mostly procrastinating at Diego Arguello 66. <laughs> That's uh, Arguello. I'm also really good at pre- procrastinating on Twitter. And how about yeah. you, Michael? Hell yeah, I'm 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 the goat when it comes to that. And you can find all of that. <laughs> you can find me and all of my bullshit at Michael P. Heim on Twitter. Damn, you want you want to talk about shit. anime girls, uh, Final Fantasy 14, Tsukihime. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like, listen, mm-hmm. that's you know where to find me. I. Uh, if you ever see me just start spontaneously tweeting opinions on Twitter, yeah. it's because I'm trying to do anything but work. Mm-hmm. You mm-hmm. you like to start mm-hmm. shit instead of working. I do. I salute that. I do. Yeah, the middle of Friday afternoon is like prime cat tweet time. <laughs> in fact, mm-hmm. in fact, I dropped a tweet just today. Um, oh, it boy. might come up. Yep, let, me, yep. let me let me find this. Uh oh, cat's <laughs> tweeting. This is a problem. Um, we're also on Patreon, patreon.com slash bloodgodpod, where we have tons of bonus content, including our recent deep dive into Toonami and Charlie and Dropouts, our Final Fantasy XIV podcast, which is going up this week, isn't it, Nadia? It will be, uh, as long as the world is still intact by the time next week rolls around. And yeah, we are going to have Eric on, and we are going to endwalk all the endwalk walker opinions about endwalking. Ooh. <laughs> Truly. Yes, and of course, we have our Stars of Destiny with us, uh, who join us each and every week for our live recordings. And this week, we have Abia the Moon, Amy, 
uh, Braze, Braziezen. Sorry, I, I apologize for that one. Oh, that's that's, that's Michael. That's Michael. That's me. <laughs> <laughs> Braziezen. Who's this person? Who's that weirdo? Uh, Brian C. Nerd, Drew RWX, Sardin Spirus, and who's that? Who's this cat blade of Miquela? What, what a weird loser. Referencing Elden Ring in August. Go figure. It's always a good time to reference Elden Ring. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. It's uh, there's always something there to remind me. It's true. All right, it's time to talk about what we have been playing. What are our sacrifices to the blood god? And uh, Diego, since you're new to this pod, what have you been playing? It looks like you've been playing a lot. Yeah, I've been playing uh, no little RPGs. Sorry, um, I've been playing mostly like Fortnite during the nights. Uh, whenever I have a moment, I'm just playing like Rock Band 4 in 2022 yeah, for some yeah. reason. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> Mega Man 4 is so underrated. I, I gotta 4. say, best soundtrack, like from the, I think from better than maybe even 2 and 3, like Dustman's theme, there's nothing else like it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm still giving Harmonix money for their DLCs. So, yeah, I hope Good. they're happy. <laughs> uh, and I've been playing also Roller Drum, uh, which is this super cool uh, mix of. Tony Hawk's Pro Skater and a third-person mm, shooter, mm-hmm. basically. Uh, oh, I've seen it's it. So, yeah. It's so well designed. It's it's great. You you should, if you haven't played, yeah, you you really should make some time for it. Um, and yeah, in terms of RPGs, I still have the uh, brand new Mass Effect collection, uh, Legendary Edition uh, copy that I need to start uh, sometime soon. So um, maybe you all are the inspiration for me to like start that. Now that I'm done mm-hmm. with Soul Hackers too. Yeah, I there's a there's a really good Mass Effect podcast that I've heard of called uh, Normandy FM. Oh, really? Uh, I, don't know. Yeah, I should check mm. them out. <laughs> they oh, they were really asses. strong in their Mass Effect days, but now they're just stuck in a cyberpunk season, and it's just uh, <laughs> uh, chasing chasing trends. They, are you, know, you doing they, Are you doing okay over there, Eric? <laughs> you don't oh, seem to be enjoying I, yourself. I've been playing cyberpunk for half a year. How do you think I'm doing, Cat? <laughs> <laughs> Not great, apparently. No, I'm kidding, Kenneth. If you're listening to this, and I know you are, uh, Cyberpunk is great. The the podcast is going great. We have great guests. Everything's going fine. <laughs> it's all okay. I believe you. I'm convinced that Cyberpunk is just breaking people left and right. I mean, mm-hmm. broke Tim Rogers, mm-hmm. breaking mm-hmm. you now. Mm-hmm. It's it it's designed. It it, it's Soul Killer. Actually, <laughs> the the true Soul Killer was in Cyberpunk 2077 the whole time. Damn, that's the real Soul <laughs> Hackers. Yeah, yeah oh, I, oh, damn, say, I, di- I know oh. Diego was about to say it. Damn, my bad. <laughs> Shit, that's 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 not what's up then. Shit. I'm excited for you, Diego, to play uh, Mass Effect. Yeah, seriously. You've never played Mass Effect before, whatsoever. I mean, I started the first one a couple of times, uh-huh. uh, and I always just drop it because of reasons. Uh, mm-hmm. But I mean, aside from like a couple of stuff, I don't know pretty much anything about it, which is great. Wow. Uh, so I'm really, really excited to like dive in as, um, as fresh as possible. Damn, I'm excited for you. Yeah. Because I, I feel like they, they hold up really well, especially if you're playing the Legendary Editions. Ooh, shit. Yeah, that you can like launch it all from one launcher. The save carries through like very naturally. You don't have to deal with all the import stuff that you might have had to do in other games like. I feel like that's the best thing that Legendary Edition did even more than like putting it on a modern console is just making it ridiculously easy to play one save file through all of them and not have to like boot up different EXEs or put in different discs and stuff like that. It's it's great. Right. Well, I was recently playing another EA RPG, Madden NFL 23. 
which uh, <laughs> I just posted the review over on IGN.com. I've been playing it all week. Um, it was on Beefy it, Warriors. Yeah, beefy, lar- large, sweaty, beefy men who mm-hmm, run mm-hmm. into one another, have helmets, character classes, quarterbacks, wide receivers. That's like DPS and everything. I don't know. True. Um, yeah. Who is the healer of, of a football team? The punter. <laughs> the coach. The punter. Oh, okay. yeah. Special teams. Un- the Gatorade Undoes the damage. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you got tanks, right? Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You uh, I thought center, they were all yeah. tanks from my perspective, but no, I don't no, really know a lot no. about football. There's damage oh, dealers no. and tanks. The, like yeah. the D line and the O line. Those are those yeah. are your tanks. Those are your yeah. tanks. They're, I just they're think taking of hockey aggro. where everyone's a DPS. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, it's, this one's better than last year, which is not saying much because last mm. year was really bad. But it was actually pretty fun to play. And for our RPG stands who also like sports, which there are some of them, some of they we exist. There are dozens of us. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the face of the franchise is a little bit of a, an RPG thing where you're building up your character week by week and doing weekly activities like Persona, I guess, a bad Persona. Um, but <laughs> I, I, I kind of dug that element this year. Um, and you should be able to make the football players date. Yeah, that would really oh, that would bring us together. I'd yeah. finally play it. Yeah, yeah. I know. Mm, do I want to? Mm, I don't know if this is the place to do it. I've had a pitch in my head for a long time of like mashing Hades and football up into a football roguelite, and I'm convinced it would work. Greg Kasavin, if you're listening, we need to talk. And I know right. you are. Pyre, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like eleven on Pyre? eleven. Yeah, it basi- basically <laughs> Pyre. Yeah, very similar to Pyre, but. But with football, you know, and, and like demons and stuff, mm. you know, that's kind of cool. I could deal yeah. with that. Yeah. Go football. Yeah. So you can go read my review over on IGN.com. Uh, Michael, what have you been playing? Uh, I have not been playing Madden, but a quick side note about football. You know, what's wild is that Patrick Mahomes uh, tweeted a teaser of him being in Fortnite and all the replies are like, who the fuck is Patrick Mahomes? And I'm like, oh, Damn, people around the world don't know who Patrick Mahomes is. Because I'm like, how do you not know a Super Bowl winning quarterback who's like a two-time MVP, right? Mm -hmm. He's like Mm -hmm. the best, like the most electrifying football player you've seen, I've seen in like the last, since Michael Vick. And I'm Mm -hmm. just like, these motherfuckers don't know about Patrick Mahomes. Like, oh, they don't watch football around the world. Right. Very very selfish Americans out here saying, you don't know Patrick Mahomes. I had no idea who he was. Ah, oh, damn. He's uh You don't know who Patrick Mahomes is? Why the hell would I? I don't watch football. Nobody watches football up here. Except Fair, like maybe well, in the West. Not I, mean, I figured that American football would pe- penetrate the consciousness a little bit. Yeah, like and we know famous whole... hockey players. I mean, yeah. it's, I'm not saying it's completely like unheard of. Like, for example, my brother was a Bills fan because that's uh, as good as you're going to get for the NFL here. And uh, he said he went to a tailgate like for mm-hmm. Bills fans from Canada. He said it was the saddest thing he'd never been to in his life, and they never yeah, really repeated it. The, yeah. the Bills yeah. are the Bills are good now, though. Yeah. They probably should have been in the Super Bowl this year. Oh, they were so but, close. Yeah, Shasta Josh yeah. Allen. I guess I don't know. He's probably problematic. I, I, with football, I'm like, okay, every player is problematic until proven otherwise. <laughs> yeah, Absolutely. yeah. It's, it's it's a sliding scale all the way down. Yeah, yeah. it's just it's safer. It's just safer to be that way. But like, then so again, me. it's mm-hmm. like I. My mother had a really bad head injury. And when I see these guys like smash each other in the head and know how much that can alter you, it just like, sure, I, yeah. I just cringe to watch yeah, it. I yeah. can't stand uh, it anymore. Damn. No, you're right. Well, um, my quarterback's yeah. an anti-vax evangelical, so. 
who yeah, doesn't know how to Kirk grill. Again. What is he are, grilling? Are you talking about Kirk Cousins? I don't know. Yeah. That's uh, a Vikings fan. Hey, uh, I got to deal with Aaron Rodgers, okay? You got to deal with Kirk Cousins. They're all bad. They're it's all bad all the way terrible. down. Terrible. Like I said, problematic until proven otherwise. Mm-hmm, it's the way mm-hmm. to go when you watch uh, the NFL. Um, mm-hmm. Speaking of problematic... Let me tell Damn you about it, Super- you took that away from me. I was going to uh, do that with Nadia. All right, uh, you go shit. ahead. <laughs> Speaking of problematic, let's talk about Tsukihime and uh, Multi-Blood. Oh, boy. We're going to talk about uh, the Nasu-verse, huh? Uh, more like the Nasty-verse. <laughs> the Nasu-verse. Oh, uh-huh. uh, my God. Well, that sounds great. The, the On a more lighter side of the Nasu universe, I've been playing it. Yo, I've been playing so much fucking Multi-Blood mm-hmm. fighting mm-hmm. games. It's, I mean, it's anime, but it's not RPG, but it's fighting games. Oh, my God. I was playing... So I, I went to Evo and I talked about Evo mm-hmm. a lot on uh, various oh, cool. other podcast. Yeah. Um, you know, I, Melty Blood was like the thing I was most excited about because mm-hmm. a big Undernight fan, you know, I fuck with Type Moon heavy uh, and I like Soft Circle French Bread developers. Mm-hmm. Melty Blood has like a long history of being um, like this uh, un- underground or just like this. They call it poverty games. I think that's classist as someone who is uh, who is. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it's it's it is but it's also like i feel like there was some reclamation of it at some point by the people who played them because god was it ceo taku where when they had melty on the main stage they brought up like uh trash cans and like a two by four to put their stuff on hell yeah like There, there was there was a moment when they were like, yeah, now y'all want Melty Blood here, so the poverty games get to have the spotlight now. And <laughs> I mean, they're they're taking the spotlight from a lot of games. Street Fighter has not been what it's always been. Mortal Kombat certainly isn't what it's always been. So yeah, there was, anime yeah. fighters are in the spotlight. Listen, with Gu- Guilty Gear had the most uh, entrance at Evo, and mm-hmm. Melty Blood mm-hmm. actually had more entrance than Mortal Kombat, I think. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, and you know, I've been playing a lot when I got back to Evo, and it's it's my favorite fighting game right now. It just got an update the last night or this morning, uh, so they got two new characters. If y'all know who Neko Arc is, Neko Arc is in the game. Um, uh, anime girls, more an- they've added more anime girls, uh, but uh, that's like, is... that like Shield Girl from Fate yeah. Grand Order, right? Oh, she's a fake character. See, I don't know. I, about I think fate. so. I think it's like a fake Grand Order character or something. Yeah, there's already already has Saber. Uh, mm-hmm, so if you mm-hmm. if you if y'all fuck with Fate, you got a mm-hmm. you kind of got a Fate fighting game here because all all the characters in Melty Blood, they're in Tsukime, they're all just like they're all the same artists that design who designs them. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, definitely. Um, Definitely check that out if y'all want to get into a fighting. For me, the the best part about it is just like it is. I've never been this in like in sync or this in tune with a fighting game ever before. Like this is like mm-hmm. the one fighting game that makes per like everything about it mechanics wise makes sense to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. And I'm just like clicking in my brain. I was I was streaming and I was playing it last night. I was played a bunch of ranked matches and I like you know I was I was holding it down against some higher players ranked higher than me and I was like, oh yo. Ah, open my third mm-hmm. eye. Holy mm-hmm. shit. Um, and you that feels the really matrix. good. Yeah. I'm, just, I'm making reads and, and I've never been uh, on that level for any fighting, even like Undernight, which I played a lot. And that was like probably my favorite fighting game of all times, mm-hmm. uh, Undernight Inbirth. Even then, I struggled playing online matches. I was just like, man, I really, everyone is just like on a different level uh, when I when I play them. But like Melty Blood, I'm like, oh, yeah, I can, I can trade blows with some higher ranked players, mm-hmm. which is, which feels really good. Uh, but 
And then I, I was like, you know, what if I got into Tsukime and which is the source material? And uh, after a couple hours of research, <laughs> no. that shit vile. <laughs> Holy fuck. No. Oh, oh, boy. Oh, like, boy. So the thing is, like, oh, everyone's like, oh, it's it's like fate where it has these 10, 100 different parallel timelines and universes mm-hmm. and 100 mm-hmm. characters. Like, yes, but that's not my problem with it. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> it's got it's got other problems in terms of much like fate. It was made in an era where to make games like that, you had to put certain things in to sell them. And those yeah. things are always like the warning on the front of the box that you have to like go in with. And so <laughs> this that, came to, to not play with approval from mommies and daddies. Yeah, well, and also just some really awful bad right. I've played through all of fate stay night, the visual novel and oh, wow. it has its moments, but it is also just painful at times, <laughs> the writing yeah. and uh, it's yeah. I, as much as I enjoy some things in the fate universe, like fate zero and stuff like that, um, that, that series always comes with some caveats and, and Tsukihime and, and all the Nasuverse stuff is all kind of wrapped up in that. Yeah. Talking about but, uh, anime fighting games, I have a pitch for y'all. Okay. Yes. If okay. you want to make all the money, we should make a fighting game that has anime idols and or vocaloids. So you have oh, the Nico 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 okay. Ni character in there, you know, stuff like that. Yeah. Oh my yeah? god. Yes, would just win. Absolutely. <laughs> oh my god. Yeah. I was Nico Nico Ni. There's a Toho fighting game, isn't there? There's got to be one, right? Oh, like a, don't get There's a Toho platformer. It's actually really good. Like, yeah. I, I'm not a Toho yeah, fan, but that platformer on. is amazing. Put like, me on. I mean, if we just open up Mugen right now, we can probably get that for in about five minutes. <laughs> just download <laughs> some mods. <laughs> slap oh that God. thing together. <laughs> I, listen, I want like, I know that there's a there's a um, Toho fighter, which is pretty old at this point, but I want like Arxis. Listen, yeah, y'all did yeah. Grand Blue. You can do Toho. Listen, if y'all if y'all are listening to a Toho fighter, that's f- fuck Project L, baby. Like, let listen, it's that that'll 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 take over. Uh, Project but, L is the one that's gonna be really scary when it comes out. Like, was, a lot of people are gonna play Project that game. L, but it smells. Yeah. yeah. So the 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 smelly league players are gonna infiltrate the FGC, and you mm-hmm. hate to see it. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, but other than that, Fire Emblem Three Hopes. Uh, I don't know if y'all talk about it. Bef- y'all probably talk about it before. We've talked about it. We talked about it a bit. Um, okay. But that's it, yeah. I mean, it's. I wouldn't call it RPG ad- adjacent. It's it's close enough. But yeah, it, it's it's pretty RPG heavy. I mean, like mm-hmm. yeah. the character building. It's. It, I mean, it, it's it's a Muso. I mean, it's the Warriors uh, spinoff. So like. You know, uh, that, they have that One Piece game, you know, Persona Five Strikers. Uh, obviously, Strikers mm-hmm. is a lot more uh, in tune with the RPG elements of the Persona franchise, but uh, Fire Emblem Warriors incorporates so, a lot, a lot of the well, some of the tactical elements uh, mm-hmm. along mm-hmm. with the action RPG stuff. But there's, you know, all all of the RPG mechanics from Three Houses are also incorporated to Three Hopes. It's just that instead of you know tactical turn based, you are mashing buttons and you're uh, a 20 year old anime boy who's like five foot one and is juggling <laughs> 200 mm-hmm. armored foes at mm-hmm. with an axe and i'm like hell yeah let's fucking go uh but also but also like yo that's three hopes got some bangers yo well because it's uh it's koei tecmo and then so it's their sound team they basically take yeah. the source material material soundtrack and just make it metal as fuck and it's ooh, nothing gets me sometimes more hyped that's all up. you have to do it's all you yeah. gotta do mm-hmm. sometimes. Yeah, mm-hmm. nothing gets me more hyped up than hearing the 
the the metal version of Fodlin wins. Oh my god. Oh yeah. Oh I yeah. Love. Yeah. Yeah. Three yeah. hopes. I I like a lot. It, it gets a little repetitive. Like after after you go through like how many missions. I still love it. I like the gameplay loop is great. Um, I just like that we have more in the three houses universe because you know fire each fire emblem is more or less its own contained thing. Um, but this it's like another it's a it's an altered timeline and another side of the three houses universe and there's so much potential like after i finished three houses like i immediately went back and played another route but even like it's but it's the same mostly the same story and i was like wow this is a really it feels like a really well-developed world and i just there's like so much potential within it that i want to see more of this um of course like three houses does end on a pretty definitive note regardless of which path you choose um, so having three hopes as this, hey, alternate timeline universe kind of type of thing is I love that shit. Like, I love it so much. So definitely one of my favorite games of the year. Fire Emblem Warriors, three hopes. So if you all got any love for Fire Emblem, peep that. Well, we managed to talk about football and fighting games. So I kind of we're all kind of on our bullshit today. Uh-huh. Uh, uh-huh. And meanwhile, Eric and Nadia are both still on Xenoblade Chronicles 3 uh sorry not sorry yeah that game owns it's so good it's disgustingly I good mm-hmm. want to be back playing it now because i'm on yeah, i think yeah. the very cusp of chapter five is a big reveal that i'm about to reveal so. oh you are like closing in on me then because i am like early to mid chapter five and there is a scene i badly need you to see and then like message me as soon as you see it and you will know exactly what i'm talking about you won't even have to think twice about it oh but, for sure i'll let you know um, yeah that that game I, I said it last time and i just keep feeling it more and more that this is what i wanted out of tales of arise and it's also like it keeps building on itself in ways that i am so surprised by and yet it has some of the best writing i've seen in an rpg in a while um at least in anime rpg um obviously disco elysium is very good <laughs> but um xenoblade 3 has like really surprising moments of I'm loving all the side stories where you get into the colonies and about how they all kind of have their own way of doing things. And they Mm -hmm. all kind of correspond to how those characters deal with death because every single one of those characters is going to die in 10 years, if not earlier. So all of them kind of have different ways that they deal with it and that they like grieve in their own ways. And, you know, one colony is all about like, I want to die like a Viking in glorious battle. And another one, uh, which has the non-binary character Juniper as, as the lead hero uh, is, is all about like, we don't do off seeing because we'd rather we go bury our earth. dead and yeah. we go back to the earth. And I loved, I love so much of that stuff. It is it's so, actually so good. So well-written to interrupt for a second. That was an interesting thing with Juniper because there is a, a rule as well in the first model, the soft uh, game, uh, Xenoblade Chronicles, where they mm-hmm. say explicitly uh, what, what lives, what comes from the Bionis goes back to the Bionis. So I thought mm-hmm. that was a mm-hmm. really neat callback. In fact, I'm hearing a lot about how this really is Xenogears, just yeah. more. Yeah. Finally, mm-hmm. they got to make their Xenogears look sequel. <laughs> but I wouldn't know because I don't know Xenogears all that well. I know a lot of it because of the, the, the Pantheon, but I guess you can't fully grasp Xenogears anyway. It's just impossible. Yeah, I don't think they're going to crucify a Nopon in this one or anything. Oh, they should, though. There's, there's still some sick. chapters left to go. Riku's very <laughs> pissed off about this. Riku <laughs> will give his life for you, Noah. <laughs> Riku loves you. My precious blood. Riku will return in three days. 
this is getting blasphemous way too fast. <laughs> you know, Blade Chronicles um, three turned out to be our, the perfect summer of Gundam RPG to come out because, yes. as yeah. uh, Drew was pointing out, so many mechs and Abby oh, was so yeah. saying. I'm officially Xenoblade curious now. Ooh. Yeah. There yeah. was a scene, uh, Eric, you'll know what I'm talking about with um, the big battle between two mechs, like I think near the end of chapter four oh, it was. Oh, God, yes. And that when was I saw so that, good. When I saw that final shot immediately in my head, I thought, in a world where nobody fucks, because I think it's exactly <laughs> what we're talking about here. Once again, there's a scene in chapter five I cannot wait for you to get to, but um, it's like when I was playing all the stuff where they show that character that has that giant mech with the, with the spear and all that. Uh, the first thing I thought was I screenshotted it and I thought to myself, cat needs to at least play to this part. Cause the second cat sees this cat is in it for the long haul. <laughs> like cat <laughs> will play this game to credits. I, like role. Game. I had yeah. to play Madden. So, um, and I've also been kind of noodling away at trails in the sky. So oh, I, hell yeah. unfortunately I got distracted <laughs> But uh, no, I'll be coming back to Xenoblade. I want to finish this before the end. Riku of the year. hates football. <laughs> Riku detests football. <laughs> oh my god! I, I, I'm still early on. Uh, I, I had to play Soul Hackers too for uh, for coverage, um, but I did start Xenoblade Chronicles three, and I've I've talked about it on the Bombcast, and I talked about it uh, recently on Nine Nine Potions with uh, with with uh, Near fellow uh, fan bites. Uh, employee and they they had a lot of intriguing things to say because i'm like super early on so everything people have been talking about is i'm still like on the edge of my seat trying to get to that stuff i just haven't had the time uh so all the stuff that nero was telling me i was like yo this is like a thousand percent my shit and the opening i'm only like i played three hours so i don't i haven't even got the rest of the party yet but it just immediately hit the perfect tone for me like from the outset i i think in like the first 30 minutes, like Xenoblade always opens up with, or I, I played Chronicles 1, and it opens up with the big battle scene that set up this universe. Like, oh shit, yo, Dunban's a fucking hero. Dunban's oh, yeah. got a- Dunban rocks. Yo, Dunban's got like a 12-inch dick. Yo, this fool fucks. <laughs> like, Dunban, yo. Dunban. <laughs> it's all about Dunban, baby. Like, everyone wow. just like super- <laughs> My bad, I- <laughs> This is a PG-rated uh, podcast, yo. Oh my god, my bad. Cat, oh, shit. Cat, that's, we, that's so out the window, you know, already. Wow. <laughs> shit, my, my, my bad. You cannot pretend. So many children yelling, my freaking ears. Oh, oh my god. Well, I like about that kind of language at Denny's, but not here. Let me roll that back. Dunban is like, yeah, so it's it's set like Xenoblade Chronicles 1 sets that up, uh, but it kind of it tur- like goes for a whimsical tone to open up, but Chronicles 3, it it takes itself a lot more seriously where, you know, you are Noah lands and uni are with you and you could tell like lands right off the bat, like lands and uni, uh, like all they know is war and they just accept it for what it is. Whereas Noah is a lot more contemplative. He's, he's an overseer. Then he, uh, he does, uh, he does that for the enemies mm-hmm. and he sends them mm-hmm. off and lands and uni are like, yo, what are you doing? And Noah's like, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm paying respects like this is this mm-hmm. like it straight up just says like this world is fucked up. He doesn't say much, but you could tell in his mind he's he's constantly thinking about like why are the things the way they are. And I think that really comes through in how the dialogue flows uh, and mm-hmm. the exchanges. So like Eric, you're saying like this game is really well written and I would agree, even though I'm only like three hours in. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I also think that it's a credit to how like the voice direction and how dialogue flows. I think that's really important. And I like the same thing. I felt like the same thing with like I, the Somnium files Nirvana initiative where that game revolves around how good it's dialogue and voice direction is. Mm -hmm. And I feel Mm -hmm. like coming straight off that game and playing Xenoblade Chronicles three. I'm like, wow, these games are really, really nailing it with having their voice actors and their script writers just like really, painting a very vibrant picture and having conversations that feel very human and coming and also like playing things like soul hackers too i think that that also like ruined me on soul hackers too just like playing nirvana initiative and zoom like chronicles i'm like oh these are like top tier in terms of storytelling and characterization that when you go back to something that is fairly basic um it's a really striking difference i would say so mm-hmm. once i agree. I, I need to get further in the Chronicles 3, but I already know this is going to be like goatee contender. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's that's where I'm at with it is I'm like really surprised that at first I was like, okay, well, right now, you know, like Elden Ring's pretty up there for me and Sizzen Sleeper was also really big for me. And those are like my two big games. And now Xenoblade's just like drifting yeah. in from the outside lane. Like here comes something that is not just like making its way in on my list but is like potentially knocking both of those off because i just i can't I get respect, enough of this game yeah i respect everybody's list but there's only one game of the year this year and that is all i'm going to say about that but that's Matt, it for what madden we've been 23. playing <laughs> madden 23 <laughs> it's all about madden uh, no uh i would say picking anything but elden ring is like picking um picking anything but breath of the wild honestly elden rings a generationally great game and we're going to still be talking uh, breath about of the wild wasn't my breath of the wild wasn't my game i know that year. exactly it's like picking something other than breath of the wild in 2017 you got you to carry the weight of the world cat that's what you got to do sure okay <laughs> anyway that's it for what we've been playing and now it's time for a series of random encounters of xenoblade chronicles 3 it was the top selling switch game for july that doesn't say much because not much came out on the nintendo switch but good for it Uh, we also got lots of new diablo 4 info including a battle pass who's excited for a battle pass final fantasy (laughs) not as excited for a battle pass no i'm not (laughs) Uh, final fantasy is struggling to adapt to industry trends according to yoshi p uh disgaea creator sohei mikawa has departed nis and Gamescom is this coming week. Expect updates on Hogwarts Legacy and uh, uh, I guess Dead Island 2, question mark. Um, it's looking like a little bit of a dead show, but there will be at least a few things to react to. But the big news <laughs> this week is the Embracer Group continues to devour everything, including now the Lord of the Rings <laughs> and The Hobbit. It's a little confused as to how this plays into Amazon's. Uh, so I guess Amazon has paid for the rights to be able to make this Ama- to, to make their Lord of the Rings series, but the Embracer Group just went straight out and bought Middle Earth Enterprises. So now they just own the whole shebang. They're already talking about Lord of the Rings theme parks and movies based on Gandalf and Aragorn and Gollum and Galadriel and Aaron. Oh no! So they're gonna make God. a. Dear a God. Lord of the Rings verse, uh, Tolkien spinning hard enough to power power cities right now. Also, 
The Embracer Group bought limited run games, uh, which means mm. that our our pal Jeremy Parrish has been assimilated. Sorry, Jeremy. <laughs> <laughs> In all seriousness, he posted a tweet saying that uh, he was assured that there wouldn't be layoffs at limited run games and Jeremy seems to be in a good place, so I hope that thing that that continues over there. Um, also, uh, the Kotor remake has seemingly been shifted away from Aspire. The last time we checked in on Aspire, they lied to Disney about when they could get this game ready to go. It was actually years away when they were saying that it could be done by like twenty twenty three or something like that. Uh, good luck with that. So. Uh, the KOTOR remake, God knows what's going on with that. Um, if you forget who the Embracer group is, they own everything, including Saber Interactive, Gearbox, THQ Nordic. Uh, they also have the rights to Tomb Raider, Deus Ex, Thief, now the War mm-hmm. of the Rings, among other things. Soon they will acquire you too. They're coming <laughs> for you. Please. You um, too. They're a good band, though. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Actually, nothing really good since... Uh... How to dismantle an atomic bomb. Since, since, since they were uh, embedded into my iPhone. Yeah. <laughs> oh, right. That was the thing that happened. <laughs> Until they forced their way onto my music device. You will be assimilated. <laughs> what are our thoughts on the Embracer group? Just out and out buying everything. It's the same thoughts that I have on a lot of amalgamations. It's not a good thing. It's yeah. uh, There's just a little bit too much going on. You know what I mean? Just... Uh, a little bit too much absorption for for me. And I always say that my problem with this is it seems okay from a very out, outside point of view, but all it takes is like one idiot CEO to take who's overseeing everything to say, whatever, uh, what is this? I mean, look what happened to HBO. Like, just, yeah, yeah. Come on. This, this happening uh, at the same time as the HBO stuff is, is definitely like alarming. Apologies to our pal Jeremy. Apologies to the amazing work that Limited Run Games is doing. There's, I'm, they're they're a niche outfit. They make retail games, retail versions of small games for the most part. There's, I just I don't see a scenario <clears throat> in which this outfit turns the kind of profits or makes the kind of revenue that a mega core like the Embracer Group will want. Like they're like a rounding error on their balance sheet. Why in the world do they a want limited run games and b why would they keep them around? That, why not? I don't, I don't I understand mean, why they well, wouldn't. The the thing that would scare me about that from an outsider perspective is like maybe they've acquired them for a reason. I don't know. Like yeah, they have maybe they mm-hmm. have plans to like hey yo, we're gonna use this brand of limited run games to like just uh, like turn it into a factory for physical versions of games, whatever and. Yeah, I don't know. It's it just it's it's really weird. That sucks. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's like Lemon Run Games is a boutique outfit. Yeah, right. So it's like, what are they gonna? Are they have something up their sleeve to turn this thing that is kind of like a very? It's a very precious thing. Like, aren't they? Aren't they kind of? I, I don't know. I, I just heard this from the tittle tattle. Aren't Embracer Group a little more hands off than some evil corporations? So I mean, they I say, mean, "Oh, we're hands off. You can do whatever we want." Yeah, I mean, but remember when we got acquired? It did. I know it didn't end up well with Read Pop. We You're all talking about Read Pop. Are you really using Read Pop as an example? Because here's Nadia? the thing: on, before COVID, paperwork real quick before, before we get into this. COVID, we all said, "Oh, we're all going to lose our jobs. It's going to be terrible." And, and we did. Gonna... No, I'm not talking about acts of God here, or acts of Moses, or whatever that was. I'm talking about. The first day, the first week, the first month, 
we said, okay, we're all out of a job now. And there was no reason to keep us around. And we all learned that at the end, didn't we? But at, they did keep us for several years when, as you said, we could have been, we were a rounding error on their paper. So yeah, I'm, I'm not saying that they're going to do anything to limit a run games really, except, you know, keep them in their back pocket for whatever nefarious deeds, but that'll be way down the line. I think. Let me pull up on the stick here a little bit. Um, this is like the thing when I look at embracer buying stuff, it is like, I'm not going to look at specifics. You know, it's, they went out there and they bought the Lord of the Rings because they can, can. do that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, and, and, you know, they did have, I think, I, I, I don't honestly have to look, but I think the Datalik branch is under Embracer Group. That's the thing is Embracer Group is so massive that there's like 14 different holding companies and like yeah, different umbrellas that, that things are under. But, um, like, the thing that I always come back to is like when you have this condensing of the people who are making stuff and under what umbrella and under what guidance there's always going to be that like it's more difficult for other people to do other stuff um we saw it with star wars where ea only had star wars for a long time and now <laughs> like we're getting cool stuff now that more people are doing star wars and is it all hitting no it's not really all hitting but other people are trying other things and um when i look at especially buying up stuff like limited run games. I do think that makes a little bit of sense because like THQ Nordic, what do they love to do? They love to dig out games that nobody really played from the PS2 era and make new versions of them. Yeah. So now you want getting... another destroy all humans? Yeah. yeah you destroy got all another humans destroy too. all humans. Oh, we got a really bad bikini bottom remaster. That's now getting like oh, a spiritual right. successor. Um, it's like that fits that mo for me I dig out these niche games and then make bad sequels and remasters of them yeah and i mean more power to them if people buy the games and and people are doing the thing and they're getting the thing they want it's whatever it's this isn't even as egregious to me as something like multiverses where it's just this like oh yeah packaged thing of look at how many properties we own and can put in the same game look at that um it just does you feel this like constricting of the industry when it happens. And I mean, that is just kind of where the video game industry is at today. A lot of people are acquiring a lot of people right now, and that's what it is. The IP but... apocalypse. It's like yeah. all the properties. Yeah. I, when I look across the, I have to cover this for a living in my, it's my day job. And I look across the entire, I, I think about all the stories that I've been writing this year. The, the big thing right now is with HBO max. HBO mm -hmm. Max slashing animations, slashing all these shows off it, and uh, the they're really dystopian. Just uh, deleting the history. Yeah, where their CEO gets on, it's just like we need to. These shows need to prove that they can make revenue, and cancels Batgirl because we couldn't throw it on HBO Max, but it's not big enough to be a theatrical thing, and makes it very extremely clear that he wants his own MCU. And that's all he cares about. And then crappy reality programming. And you're just like, wow, okay. That that's this sucks. It all this comes down to having a benevolent CEO or not. Oh my because god. I'm sorry. Exactly. Nadia. No, because think about it. If you i I've, I've been through this before where you're on some hobby site that's attached to a massive corporation and you're making zero in the way of revenue or anything, but they like you, so they keep you because they think you're interesting. And then again, again, as I said, a new guy comes in and you're gone. But 
I don't know. Uh, There's I always just some don't... mid-level executive who shows up and he's like, I'm going to clean up this place. Yeah. So it's a matter of will that happen or will it not? And it's really it's a shitty fate for all of us to have to go through. But it's the way things are now, apparently. I just want to talk about a little more about Lord of the Rings. I, well, are you ready for a lot of Lord of the Rings content? Yeah. Because it's uh, not really like getting a lot of it. Yeah. Rings of Power is just the start. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It looks like that. So Data Lake is under Nacon, which is the other giant corporation that I think of over there in Europe. But um, did you want a movie like, based on Gollum? No, I nope. was just, I was curious because I was like, what's going to happen to that Gollum game now that um, Embracer has the rights? Please, um, I'll do respect. I'll do respect. I'll do respect to the people who are working on this game. I'm sure very hard, but who wanted this game? Who wanted the Gollum game? You don't sit there and think like, I would love a game where Gollum does like Deadpool style asides as I do stealth <laughs> missions. Or oh, I'd kill myself. Oh my God. What if it's like a, what if they turn to like an RPG? That's, that's content. I mean, like are you d- a dating sim, you date other Gollums. All you do is punch fish it's all day. It's a dating sim. Yeah, yeah. You, you date different rings as Gollum. Gollum takes the rings. Hello, precious. Kind of like oh, boyfriend God. Dungeon, Worst date, like, blind date ever. This is a terrible boyfriend dungeon sequel. <laughs> the worst one. Oh, oh God. God, yeah. It's uh yeah, for, for Lord of the Rings, it's just such this such a massive overarching pro- property that a lot of people care about. And there's I mean, like we've had like the Hobbit and a couple of things here and there. We have Rings of Power coming up, but I can't imagine that they wouldn't look at this like, yo, Lord of the Rings. It's just gold mine, this treasure trove that we can flip the same way Disney flips Star Wars stuff. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. Or just mm-hmm. uh, like it's. Uh, can we can we just be done with universes? I'm done with universes. Let's, let's go back to oh, no. singular realities. The thing that's annoying is that the MCU kind of worked because it was built brick by brick. And there was yeah, it was very thoughtful. In its construction, all the it way was. through the like yeah. starting with Iron Man, like mm-hmm. it just really kind of built itself up. I like, agree with the you. Avengers up, Initiative credit scene is iconic. Infinity Stones, I agree with you. But yeah. like everything well, post just Endgame like, has been, uh, yeah. Just get all the content. Like Phase Four was a yeah. Like I saw uh, Doctor Strange in the multiverse, and it was fine. But I could tell there's a lot of stuff I should have been watching before I, I, I kind of sat down for that one. If you didn't watch WandaVision, you were probably kind of lost. I knew about the concept of WandaVision, so I was okay. But yeah, there was probably a lot of context I was missing. I dug Hawkeye. That was cool because it I didn't, even see didn't that. need outside information whatsoever. It was just like a cool thing about doing Ms. crime Marvel in New York. I, I think a lot of stuff also got mixed up because of the a lot of stuff got mixed up because of the pandemic, where theater stuff became streaming stuff, and so I yeah. fell out of what was cool, and I never really caught up yeah i mean that's okay i mean there's like a million shows to watch do you want to watch the house of the dragon prequel or i'm undecided about that probably not i'll, I'll google the cool dragon parts and i'll be done there are more <laughs> prequels there are all the prequels forever it's cool what's... where's uh where's winds of winter um not to call you out here george r, r. martin but uh i do actually we, we want to watch blood god george r. r martin i do actually want to watch better call saul because by all accounts that one is as much a sequel as a prequel. And I, I love those shows that manage to enhance the original as much yeah. as lay the groundwork for it. I've heard great things about Better Call Saul. I had nothing but great yeah. things. So. I watched the first two seasons of that one and I was, you know, I was digging it. So, um, Diego, what's your, what is your take on the big Embracer acquisition and the IP apocalypse? I mean, it's not great. 
and I'm afraid about the prospect of seeing like a multiverses of like all of these IPs, like Tomb Raider fighting and all of something like that, uh, in the future. And I'm not looking forward to that. I think. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. Like we see all of these uh, images, basically, of like, oh yeah, this company owns like all of these IPs, or like, yeah. Um, and they keep getting bigger and bigger and bigger mm-hmm. and bigger. And like mm-hmm. this year has been like a constant of that. Uh, and I think it's still being like, oh yeah, big acquisition, like it's important, but whatever. Uh, and now it's like almost like a monthly thing. Mm-hmm. Like this, mm-hmm. this battle between like, uh, I don't know, like uh, a company that I don't want to name and Embracer or like other companies are like, um, and then like consuming all of these IPs. So mm-hmm. I don't know. It's getting kind of scary, I think. Yeah. It reminds me a little bit of when uh, you look at images of, say, you have Nestle in the center and you have all the branched off companies that belong yeah. to Nestle and it's pretty much mm-hmm. half the world. That's what it's turning into here if it's not already like that. Yeah. I, I'm i still getting used to like Activision Blizzard being a Microsoft company and Bungie being a Sony. And I mean, oh, technically yeah. it's not yet, but um, yeah, it's like... <laughs> I was thinking about it when I was writing something about Diablo the other day. I think it was the battle pass info. And I was like, oh, I better put Microsoft in the tags. Right. That's a thing. That's a thing. Now they are like That's a the Microsoft. Thing you gotta do. For all intents and purposes, they're under the Microsoft umbrella yeah. for right now. So Microsoft is, I, I, I respect Phil Spencer and I respect what Xbox has done. And I think Rev Valentine made a good point that uh, 20 years ago, I felt a- utterly alienated by the Xbox do the do mm. brand. Mm-hmm. And true, now true, like, sure. I can actually relate to Xbox and I kind of like it. And there does seem to be an earnest good faith effort to not be evil. And yeah. that never lasts with uh, corporations because, you know, profits always trump everything. But uh, if anybody were to buy Activision Blizzard and maybe not freaking enable them, uh, at least Xbox is... Okay, I guess probably stop the breast milk thefts. I think that is a good start. Phil Spencer Activision going Blizzard. in there with the bat, like we're putting a stop to this right now. <laughs> okay, you <laughs> get out. Nadia scoops Oxford with the with the full report <laughs> over here. <laughs> All right, unverified as of yet. This week's episode of Axe of the Blood God is brought to you by NordVPN. In Pokemon, use repels to stop random encounters because sometimes you just don't want monsters coming in to your computer, and NordVPN helps that. That was a very tortured and wonderful comparison, but the point is NordVPN is very, very good. It uses wired guard VPN technology, multi-hop, split tunneling, and Tor connections in numerous service locations and MeshNet features so many technological terms but the point is nordvpn very good and that's why we are letting them sponsor this week's episode of actual blood god yeah i think my internet needs protection my internet is dangerous and out there all alone on the high seas and so i think going over to nordvpn and using blood god that is nordvpn.com blood god to get a huge discount on my nordvpn plan sounds like a good idea let me tell you friends of the show i am a stranger in the northern wilds of canada and if you are like me if you are a canadian you know how badly our streaming services suck so 
NordVPN can let you get around that by letting you set your settings to whatever country you want. Therefore, uh, you are not restricted by the whims of the CRTC. Do it. Go ahead and level up your privacy by grabbing NordVPN. Grab your exclusive NordVPN deal by going to nordvpn.com slash to get a huge discount off your NordVPN plan, plus free threat protection, plus one additional month for free. It's completely risk-free with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee. It's time to continue on to why I brought Diego and Michael on to this week's episode. We got another RPG release. If you're not too busy with Xenoblade Chronicles 3 and Digimon Survive and everything else that's been coming out. It's been kind of a busy year for RPGs, so I don't know Very. what people are talking about when they say that there's a drought. But yes, Soul Hackers 2. What is Soul Hackers 2? Why? It's the sequel to Soul Hackers, which originally came out back on this. Uh, it came out in, I believe, 1997. Yep. It got remade for the Nintendo 3DS. Mm-hmm. And it is sort of a spin off of a spin off because it. The, it is part of the Devil Summoner series, which is one of the first spin-offs from Megaton. And its main difference is uh, it kind of dropped the apocalyptic feel for a more modern feel. Really leaned into the hacking aspects of uh, SMT. Uh, Soul Hackers 2, from my vantage point, seems to be kind of a halfway point between Persona and uh, SMT, maybe with the strengths of neither question mark i mean diego you are not a big fan uh i think that's a accurate description of it um i love how i mean it's like my first time writing a review for uh gaming former it was like the immediate response of someone being like oh i'm sure that this person has mentioned persona and it's like yeah i mean i have to um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely it's like um i don't know it's it I think it's like a, an interesting entry for like someone, or at least it should be an interesting uh, or like an enticing entry for someone who like um, wants to get into this game, but maybe no one like the time commitment, for example, like something like Persona 5 Royal, uh, or like the the harsh reality of uh, how like Shimiami Tensei 5 plays, which I love, uh, but I know it's not like for everyone. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I liked it a lot. Yeah, it's great. Um, and I was expecting a bit of like uh the best of both worlds i think uh i didn't play the first soul hackers uh but i mean i I was watching like footage and and things from back then i was like everything about this like sounds so interesting to me um and the premise for soul hackers too is interesting as well uh but it's not it never goes to like uh the places that it should be i think uh i don't know it's uh, it was kind of a letdown because I was, um, I was looking forward to it, like seeing, uh, like after the f- first few hours, like the characters, like, uh, felt really great, and I liked like the the universe of it, um, but I don't know, it's, yeah, it, it didn't it didn't work for me as I was hoping. That's too to. bad. Yeah. 
Uh, yeah, I think I'm Diego and I were are pretty much on the same page. And I think early on when we were playing it, I was DMing, or I think you and I were talking about it a little bit on Slack. And we're like, when we got code, we're like, yo, Soul Hackers 2 is here. Let's go. I can't, yo, finally, SMT is uh, bringing back the, the cyberpunk sci-fi side of, of Devil Summoner. And that, that's that's dope. That's sick. On paper, that sounds like an incredible combination um, where you have this kind of deep and demonic uh, side of uh, this like supernatural side of SMT, and then you combine that, you have that contrast between like a like a sci-fi uh, near futuristic world. Uh, that's that's like a really cool uh, concept. The execution is just it's just really bland. I, I think there's no other. It's hard to describe because as hmm. I've played, as I put many many hours into Soul Hackers Two, it feels like it's so concerned with playing it safe or it, it it feels like I say this a lot is it it felt like a first draft of a script and no one went back to look at it and say hey well, maybe we should kind of spice it up a little bit make it more interesting take it in uh, this direction that direction maybe cut this piece out so we can commit to this certain thing and you get it from the character interactions and the character dialogue where it just feels like Everything ha- everything has to be very uh, explained to the player, and the conversations feel very uh, forced. And you could tell that they're trying to communicate concepts of the world through character dialogue, and it feels super unnatural to be sitting there and listening to this long drawn out conversation. There, there, there comes a point where you start to reveal more about the 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 things that you are fighting for, like the, the, the object that is like the, the infinity stones essentially of that mm-hmm. world. And then it's like this 30 minute, not even a cutscene. It's just like characters sitting in their safe house, trying to explain these esoteric concepts of it. And like, I, I, I guess we're, we're going to sit here and talk about this thing. And it, it does nothing for the characterization of that cast. It does nothing for the world building. And like that is a microcosm of the whole game. And when I think about games like in, and like Diego said, like you have to make comparisons to persona because that is what Atlas at this point, that's what Atlas is most known for. Um, I think like persona hit the mainstream and now like everyone knows what persona five is. Not everyone might not know what S the SMT is. Mm-hmm. I love SMT. Um, but I understand that persona is very much in the broader consciousness. So, so the thing is, is that those like Shimagami Tensei Five and Persona Five have a specific tone that they go for and they commit to it, and they really, I, I, I like actually, I like using Shimagami Tensei as the contrast because I think SMT doesn't isn't story heavy. It's it likes to show you rather than tell. There's no long drawn out. There's not much dialogue in SMT five. Really, it's just like, yeah, I'm a badass dude who can summon demons. Fight me. You want to? You want to? <laughs> you want to save the world? Fight me. That's that's all. It's like, your concept. It's yep. just like eighty hours of people flexing nuts, and it's so cool. It's so dope because there's like they cut the bullshit and say, yo, SMT is about demons and a post apocalypse, and we're committing to that tone only. We're not trying anything else. We know that this is what SMT is. Whereas Soul Hackers doesn't doesn't commit in any one direction. And I played the original Soul Hackers for a little while recently to before release of Soul Hackers 2. And 
I don't like that, the game's cool, but what I did notice is that it had very like SMT does have very specific characterizations in Soul Hackers. One was like this quirky story with really weird and we're really weird characters and these super weird concepts that like, they don't have to explain. She's like, this is the way it is. And this is cool as fuck. Um, but soul hack just feels like they're trying to, they try to appeal to everyone. And in doing so they appeal to no one. Um, and that's kind of the overall feel, but there are also elements of the game that feel like we're very rushed. I don't like I don't I don't like saying this but I, I find it uh, hard to describe but when you actually start doing the dungeon crawling and pl- getting deeper into this game it feels like the budget was cut and this just had to get out the door. I don't know why that I've explored like 20 floors of dungeons and there's like no art style there's no uh characterization in the environment itself. You go to like the city areas, the hub areas and you see the backdrop of this neon lit city that is like oh my god i want to know more about this world i want to explore this yeah it just yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. it's yeah. just dazzling yeah. and it, it just feels like oh there's so many possibilities i want to know the people of this world this is so cool um and then you actually get into the core gameplay and you're trudging through subway tunnels and this <laughs> i say this in my, in my write-up was that there's like this a uh, series of dungeons called the soul matrix that keeps expanding as you go on and on and on uh, sort of like a mementos in persona five. Um, but even then like mementos had like this very distinct atmosphere and purpose in, in the world, especially in persona R they added a lot to it. Yes, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Uh, whereas soul hackers, you're just like walking through this maze where I say it, it looks like it's built inside of a PS2 loading screen. <laughs> where all the and then it's just like you know you, you have your memory card with all the blocks everywhere it's like yeah right, it just looks right. like i have a bunch of save data in this <laughs> this very flat and plain cyberscape truly soul hacking mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. and you spend a large majority of your time in there and i it's really disappointing because you see a lot of the potential and other areas of the game and then the core part of it just does not incorporate any of any of that uh so and i kept waiting and playing and i was like maybe it'll get there maybe it'll get there maybe by the the second dungeon maybe by the third dungeon it'll open up and have like this wild change in direction and really lean into the sci-fi aspects of its art style that that made it stand out on upon first impression and it never it never gets there and uh it's i don't care about the villain and oh uh, no 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 no! it's just some dude who wants to destroy the world <laughs> diego absolutely not do not <laughs> care about the villain. no yeah, no don't no. even mention him <laughs> yeah yeah it's... i i think no, please the, go on. okay the the, the 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 way i can best describe it is like you've ever been to a party and you you're talking no, no. <laughs> <laughs> there you go that, what, do you think like. you're, what podcast do you think you're right. on <laughs> but we're talking about rpgs on a friday night Michael. Come on. Uh, this is <laughs> hey this is a party to me um that's true this but is, this you, is the word party's at you ever have the like you're listening to this conversation someone's trying to tell you a story and they're mm-hmm. telling you a story about people you have no idea about like you're you have no yeah, investment yeah. because you don't yeah. know who the fuck yeah. is the are the characters in the story they're telling and they don't give you a reason to care. They don't like they just mention people by name and then, oh, yeah, cool. Cool story, bro. This game is the embodiment of um, 
of like, <laughs> I mean, in my circles, people will be like, you know, when you know you're uninterested in someone's story, it's just like, yo, that's crazy. That's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> and you're just like, okay, you could end the conversation here. Yo, that's, that's crazy. That, that's that meme of like, sorry, but I'm not reading all that. I'm sorry that happened or cool. I don't know. <laughs> this is the embodiment of that. Uh, and I, I compare it to uh, other games that like when you play Persona 5 for the first time, you have that bank, the, the casino heist. It is yeah. such a strong impression. They don't have to explain anything. It's like, hey, there's this masked dude who has his friends uh, over talking over in, in his ear and they're about they're getting in deep into some shit and like, yeah, oh, my God, what is this game? And it's like that first impression is so strong. And I even think about like SMT5 where it's like, yeah, this you spend so much time in a desert, like cool. But um, the demonic transformation of that main character and just like the presence, the demonic oppressing presence of the, SMT the, is yeah. like, yo, this this world is the opening is, desert is very creepy. Yeah, it, uh, it has very a striking. vibe. Yeah, it's very striking. Yeah. <laughs> Soul Hackers is like it. Yeah, it's like, hey, we're going to bring this character back to life. Here's some traumatic backstory. Bring this character back <laughs> to life. Here's some traumatic backstory. You don't need to know who the fuck is uh, else is in this. Uh, and they'll bring this character back. Okay, we all care about chasing the villain. He's going to destroy the world. Um, I don't know. It's, yeah, it doesn't. I, I was kind of out on Soul Hackers 2 when I, I played the preview at Summer of Gaming. I kind of oh want to say Summer of Games. Summer, summer, summer of Games. Gundamus. Summer, Summer Games yeah. Fest, that one, the play days. I played it there. Not a great place to experience a pot, uh, an RPG. Um, but I was taken by the art style. What I was not taken by were the scene where the two characters, they were like, they were touting this. They said, ah, aha, here's a key social aspect. You will, instead of going to a coffee shop or something, you will go to a bar oh. and hang out because this is more adult than Persona. Mm. So... I see the two characters hang out at the bar and uh, the conversation was very stilted. Uh, it was about beer, but it was not an interesting conversation about beer. Uh, it was not very funny and it added absolutely nothing to the, uh, to the, to my understanding of these characters. They're just like, do you like beer? Uh, I guess I, I drink beer. Yeah. Beer. I'm just like, this is amazing. Sounds like an ad. Like Michael had me on this like thought line already, but I just had a flashback to like every college party I went to freshman year where like a bunch of people who had never drank before were standing around being like, Oh yeah, beer, beer. huh? Yeah, yeah huh? beer. Yeah, you like beer. beer. Good beer. Yeah. Yeah. They're Very drinking frothy. like Pabst and stuff like that. They're like, mm, yeah, beer. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Quite. It it sounds like the difference between, you know. You're trying to jump to Yakuza Like a Dragon where you have actual adults having like RPG problems, but you don't know how to like transport the the anime-ness along yeah. with it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, I think I felt like they were trying to capture the vibes of a Yakuza or a Persona, but yeah. just the conversations were not interesting, you yeah. know? Yeah. yeah. Honestly, like Kat, I think that is, I, I talked a lot about it, but I think that you just like just describe it as uninteresting is really what it comes down to uh oh. i basically wrote 1200 words to and i could have it could have been a tweet it could have been an email and i could just <laughs> been like it's just it's it's really uninteresting and that's that's it's a bummer it's a bummer um because I, I talk about like hey this is really cool to have another rpg about adults who have adult <laughs> problems uh but they just don't 
they don't talk to it, talk about it. They don't go through these things as if they're adults. It, and I said this too, it, it feels like something I, I could, I would have written in high school. And oh God, that's embarrassing. Yeah. yeah I know what oof, you mean. Yeah. I mean, it, that's a little bit. Yeah. Uh, I, yeah. And it just goes back to saying like this, you, it's a skeleton of a script that just never got revisited. Um, it's, it's so funny how like this game tries so hard to give you these big dramatic moments and I'm sitting there like, I don't care because you never gave me a reason to care. Yeah, about, I forgot about like, that. Oh, his he, his ex wants to kill him. And he's like, no, don't kill me. And then they're like, oh, but we have to fight. And I'm like, why do you have to fight? It's because I'm on the other side. This is the way the world works. And they're like, okay, I guess we got to fight. Like, dog, that means nothing. It means absolutely nothing. You didn't. There's no stakes. I don't understand what the stakes mm-hmm. are. Like, why are you? Do, why do you have to kill your ex? Like, come on. Um, and then eventually it turns around and it's like, you know, I saw the light. It's like, yeah, after 10 times of you having the same argument over and over again, maybe that maybe that's reality. I don't know. Shit. Uh, <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's, it's so, God, it's uh, I'm sorry. I, I do like the, the group name. It reminds me a little bit of the Scoobies. It's a Spookies. Um, spookies. So, spookies. The Spookies. Yeah. Are you not allowed to name your own group like you could in Persona Five? Ever someone named their group Gay yeah, Agenda? It's a reference to the original Soul Hackers. Oh, okay. oh yeah, yeah. Spookies. It's kind of cute. So, Jinkies. In Buffy, the they were called um, Scoobies. Uh, oh, you know okay. the Scooby Gang and oh, that kind okay. of thing. So, uh, but no. Spookies. You don't, don't even, you don't even got that here. So. Sorry. Oh, that's no fun. So we've yeah. been dragging Soul Hackers 2 for a while now. Sorry. Does, does it have any redeeming qualities? Yeah. Soundtrack? Soundtrack. Yeah, SMT soundtracks usually bang. Yeah. Uh, it's, you know, oh, this 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 is not like Michael, you seem like you're pulling back a little bit though. Is this yeah. is not like a Persona tier soundtrack? Yeah. Um, I, I, go ahead, Diego. Mm-mm. No, I mean, no, I mean, SMT. Uh, oh, sorry. Um, there are like a few cool songs that happen during like uh, boss fights and such. Um, but I mean, to like uh, kind of inside what Michael was saying, during dungeons, you have like the most basic song possible. And it's oh, like no. always the same. Yeah. Uh, so it's, mm. yeah, I don't know. So it, it is like Mementos until they changed it for our. Oh, yeah. for some, Yeah, that, that, that was a really cool touch. But even, yeah, that even like the original like Mementos yeah, theme song, like it's cute. The original it's, Mementos. Yeah. It, it was good, but yeah. after you're going down, down, yeah, down of course. to Goblin Town, um, it's just like, it's kind of repetitive. It had personality, though. It's like, oh, it did. It, yeah. Yeah. It, well, yeah. The, the thing, the. So saying that the soundtrack is decent is a disappointment in and of itself because, you know, it's an Atlas game. You expect at least yeah. that its soundtrack is going to fucking rip. Uh, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. the the lead composer on this is Keiichi Okabe from Nier. And wow. so his his studio, uh, Monica, is the they're the ones who made the soundtrack for this game. And you're like, yo, this is a slam dunk. And you can see pieces of like the the child choir vocal sounds mm-hmm. uh show up in some of the boss themes or the boss theme and you're like wow this is this is really cool um and i think some of the shop themes are really cool uh, the weapon shop theme is probably one of my favorite songs in a game in a long while uh, but everything else around the if like the music surrounding the rest of the game um 
like the hub areas have cool tunes too but like when you're actually like again you spend most of your time going through dungeons and it's just more of like an ambient track in the background but it doesn't change as you progress in the game like the various floors in the soul matrix dungeon and the different main story dungeons that you have the like there's i can't even remember what the song sounds like because it's so far in the background and almost non-existent like you think about like in smt i the subtleties and the differences in that game really help build the atmosphere like i also think like every time i play an smt game i always feel like the soundtrack sounds like how the game looks yeah like i can't separate the two it's it's so cool how smt games to their instrumentation and just how dark and grimy those soundtracks sound are so they're so strong and they're so good at building those games atmosphere and attitude uh and like obviously we all know like how how much persona bangs uh like ever since day one with their soundtracks um and so it's a it's a really big disappointment to have like an atlas rpg that has that makes very little effort in using its soundtrack to draw you in to paint the picture of the world um and wow god yeah, Brutal. it's ah, sad uh i i i i, I love that man. we're like do we have to say anything redeem sound, <laughs> soundtrack and then no <laughs> uh, we're finding yeah. hard things to dislike <laughs> about it instead uh sorry uh damn i mean the combat system's pretty dope i mean the, the art looks nice i mean ringo's a ringo's a cool character i do like I, the yeah. art yeah yeah mm-hmm. the the art immediately stands out it's quite a nice looking game all things considered uh, um i i do find okay so I, I do wonder what the elevator pitch for this game was maybe well we got an smt game coming out we got a persona game coming out these are sufficiently popular that we can make a little money uh with this game i don't know if like somebody commissioned it maybe they figured okay smt is on the hardcore end mm-hmm. and personas on the other side of the end maybe we need something that bridges these two franchises because they talked a lot about accessibility and that kind of thing. Like that when you go into the subway tunnels, uh, like when you negotiate with the monsters, you uh, won't have to work very hard to actually get them into your party. It's not as maybe unforgiving yeah. as an SMT. Um, or they, they don't include the press turn system for some reason in this one. Yeah, yeah. So it seemed like they were, it was almost like SMT easy type. I want to sure. say. Yeah. Mm-hmm. so but i don't think I, I don't think that they really needed a bridge rpg like that and also if they if it if they seemingly kind of ran out of money and time with yeah. this one that's a disappointment ultimately the one thing i will say is as if we do want to talk about something that is redeeming the combat system is actually really dope um mm-hmm. because it doesn't like in SMT, like if you miss or if you get a if you get blocked or uh, it's really punishing, like you said. Uh, but this yeah. one, it it doesn't necessarily care. Like, oh, if you messed up and picked the wrong, uh, like you're trying to guess what the demon's weakness is. Oh, and you you mess it up and you hit something that reflects back to you. Like, yeah, it'll it'll hurt you, but uh, like you don't lose turns from mistakes. Um, and like the 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 way you kind of have all out attacks that you the way it does its all out attack type is encourages you to be aggressive and it's really satisfying to like lay down damage like every time you hit a weakness you get a stack 
uh, and you can build like a stack in one turn. And then at the end of the turn, it's like, hey, we're going to lay on even more damage depending on how many weaknesses you hit already. Uh, yeah, I was having so, a hard time sussing out the, the stack mm -hmm. system when I was playing it initially. So yeah. it makes more sense when you're actually playing it. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, I, I like that about it. It's it's just, it feels like you're uh, doing a lot more damage. It's, it's just, it feels a lot more aggressive. It's still really challenging though. So I wouldn't necessarily... Uh, say it's uh it's easier i'm playing i played on normal i wouldn't say it's easier i just think it's uh um I, this might not make sense this, maybe this doesn't make sense but it, it's it's just as tough but less punishing i guess i don't know like you don't you don't get pigeoned into a hole like you do and sometimes in smt where it's like damn you can get messed up in one turn and your life is over whereas this yeah. game is mm -hmm. like um you know, it's one mistake isn't going to you're, you're not going to be like barreling down the road to death uh, off of one mistake. So uh, there's just more room for error, I would say. So uh, that's cool about it. And like the battles are the SMT combat system at its core is still very fun. Uh, so, <laughs> you know, it's it's got something, you know, <laughs> uh, it's got a little hopeless. something, something. Yeah. Well, Soul Hackers 2, it's going to be available on August 25th on the PS4, PS5, PC, Xbox Series X, and Xbox Series S. No Switch release, at least not yet. Um, Michael, Diego, any final thoughts on Soul Hackers 2? We'll start with you, Michael. Um, I don't know. I like Ringo. <laughs> Ringo's cool. I don't know. She, she, she looks cool. Um, Ringo for president. Ringo, yeah, I, I, I wish this was better. <laughs> uh, it's yeah, I mean, like, same, yeah, yeah. Like it's not, it's it's not like bad. It's not like you're playing a broken game. You're just playing a game that doesn't, like I said, it doesn't commit in any one direction. Try to appeal to everyone. You appeal to nobody. Yeah. Well, thanks to Michael and Diego for coming on the show to talk about Soul Hackers too. All right, it's time to continue on to our running segment here on the podcast, which is almost done. I said that this would be the last one. Originally, it was going to be because we were going to watch Char's Counterattack this week. We had to reschedule. Charles Counterattack is going to be Saturday as of the recording of this podcast. So by the time you get this podcast, it will have happened a couple days ago, actually. But we're going to record a commentary track. We're going to release it on uh, the, the feed, on the Patreon feed for our, our, our patrons. And the patrons can come and hang out with us as we're recording. It's going to be uh, Saturday, August 20th at 4 p.m. Pacific. So please look forward to that. And then... We'll be moving on to the Autumn of the Avatar. Autumn of Avatar. Avatar The Last Airbender Watch. Uh, Eric created a whole watch guide for us. And he uh, also created a channel. He was so excited that he already started the channel over on the Might Discord. Started a channel and then needed help with uh, making the permissions work. Shoutouts to Brian uh, in Discord because nobody could talk in the Avatar channel for a while. Uh, <laughs> the silence. Yeah. I'm also so excited that I've already watched the first week's worth of episodes. Um, you just couldn't I, wait. 
I Dude. well, I wanted to kind of work ahead a little bit. See, this is Kenneth Ken. rubbing off on me because Ken has already it. played through all of Cyberpunk uh and and like for our entire season up through January. Uh and so now he has rubbed off on me and I've watched a bunch of Avatar. But I am so excited for the batch of episodes that we are even just starting off with, considering that again, y'all have not seen this, y'all don't know exactly what we're getting in for. Uh, there are some real banger episodes early on that I'm very excited for us to chat about. Oh, it's a, it's not a slow starter. It actually gets in pretty fast. No, huh? no. I, I mean, heard it's kind of kiddie to start. It's it's a kids show for sure. I think like the first two episodes really do come <laughs> off like a Nickelodeon kids show, and then like episode three is about death, and then episode four is about sexism. And it just kind of starts like they start laying the spoiler alert. Jeez. Spoiling me again. You don't even even know what's going on. It's all good. Like I, I do kind of, you know, it is kitty, but they get into some stuff early on. And then by like book two, they're off to the races. They're, they're going. So, so it's the book two. Got it. Mm -hmm. Um, Well, I like uh, Brian is kind of going at you. Eric, Eric makes an avatar channel. No one can post it. And then watches a bunch of episodes ahead of time. Sounds Mm -hmm. like an accident. All right. Uh Uh (laughs) As for Gundam, um, I finally finished Gundam, the origin after seven years. And look, um, it was very much 22 short stories in the Gundam verse and yeah. it was kind of pointless in that regard. It literally it's... had an animal house kind of thing with the, the white base crew at the end being like, yeah, he flew the, the, the gun. I'm like, yeah, who was this for? If you mm-hmm. watch this, you probably watch the OG Gundam. So I don't anyway, but however, I'm here to say that tall ships in space delivering broadsides. Well, you know, Revel and mm. Dozel glower at one another, and then all of the mobile suits fly around. It's extremely my bullshit. And yeah, I was mostly but, there for Char and Garma. Like, yeah, Charma, Charma, poor Garma. Charma was very good. Um, poor kid. Builds uh, him, and builds Ram- him a Ramba Rall. Sela was oh. great. Oh god, Ramba Rall yeah. in Gun of the Origin is like one of my new favorite anime characters. Yep. He's Absolutely. he's fantastic. Yeah, there were like definitely redeeming aspects of this and you know i I don't hate that i watched it if you want to talk about just a prequel that's just exists as like fan service right there's no Mm -hmm. like emotional tissue connecting all of this but i've got i've got galaxy brain take here cat here we go Hmm. gun of the origin is what is going to happen to lord of the rings because This is yes. this is that where they're like they can't leave well enough alone. They got to go back. They got to fill in everything. You they have thought, to show every damn scene. Yeah, and then they kind of like stumble into accidental like, oh, this doesn't line up with that because we did this other thing here, and now they're just like tumbling downstairs that they built themselves. And yeah, it's there's a lot of stuff that we're like, like why did they do that? Like. Mm-hmm. The, the Amuro stuff makes no sense because it doesn't fit at all with his characterization in the series. And uh, yeah, so um, the one thing that I will say is uh, I loved I loved how they justified mobile suits in this series. They're like, no, mm-hmm. this is how war changed. This is like why mobile suits are a thing. I thought they did a great job with it in that respect. Um, so... Mm-hmm. But as a as a as a as a piece of fiction, I don't know, got a lot of money, but it didn't really 
<laughs> but at what cost? Exist. <laughs> but at what cost? Uh, it definitely had Frabo in a swimming suit um, at the end, so that that, that happened. Um, Michael, Diego, are you Gundam fans or nah? I've never seen it. Oh. No, no Gundam mm-hmm. for you. I'm surprised. Uh, Gundam is, it, it's, it's always been around me, but I've never mm. like gotten into it myself. The thing is, is that I, I know that uh, Mike Williams is like a wild Gundam. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Gundam. Yeah. yeah. I should yeah. probably ask him a few things or ask y'all a few things about like where to start. Let's go listen to our Axe of the Blood God Guide to Gundam. You don't listen, listen to our Axe of the No, don't listen to the guy. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm listening to that. I'm listening <laughs> to that. Um, that one's a problem. Uh, uh, I, I know. I think I th- it feels like because because growing up, I saw Gundam and I was like, oh, cool robot. Uh, <laughs> and then and then later mm-hmm, on in life, mm-hmm. later on in life, I'm like, oh, actually, it's not just cool robot. Uh, it's kind of like seeing uh, Ava for, for as a kid and be like, wow, Shinji, get in the robot, man. That's yeah. cool. Like, why wouldn't you get Shinji, in the robot? Shinji, get in the robot. <laughs> like, I would get in the robot. Let's go. Why wouldn't you want to get in the robot? <laughs> yeah. And then now <laughs> the robot's I, nice. Now I watch nice it. Nice robot. Like, I'm like, oh, yo, that's, ain't no way I'm getting in the robot. Hell no. Um, Hell no. <laughs> but what I've so, learned is, okay, go ahead. Sorry. Oh, no, I was just saying like Gundam would be something I would probably get into if I just like gave it a shot. Mm-hmm. What I've what we've learned is if you want OG war drama, Gundam 0079, if you want anime just being anime, Iron Blooded Orphans, and if you want boys mm-hmm. kissing, Gundam Wing. Gundam Wing. It's got it all. Damn. I've uh learned about myself that I'm less interested in Gundam type mechs and much more interested in Xenotype mechs. Yeah. There you go. We've I, learned a lot. Yeah. One what's, closing what's note mean? on Gundam the Origin before we leave it forever in the dust. I respect that they had Amuro in it because they also had a moment where Amuro gets full torque slapped. And that is yes. important that's to what, the that's plot. That's what you live for. That's crucial to the plot of Gundam that at some point, if Amuro is in a story, somebody just like full winds up and slaps him across the face. And it's make very a toy important. of that. Just yeah. like Amuro. And that's like that scene in Airplane where everyone's coming up to beat up the, the woman who was like, you know, losing her mind yes, and just kind of yeah. shaking her. Does that it's, make a it's line? It's all the Gundam characters lined up to slap Amuro in the face. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> he deserves it. I Here's my favor to ask all y'all. Eric, Nadia. Mm-hmm. Um, after, before we get to Autumn of Avatar, I humbly request that you watch Gundam Unicorn to wrap it okay. all up. Is there a unicorn? Uh, the Unicorns are referenced. Uh, okay. somewhat regularly so it's watch it it, it okay. it'll it'll put it'll put a bow on it it'll put a All bow right, on it right. a, f- a frau bow if you will a frago watch it after char's <laughs> counterattack. All right Nadia take us home I'm here to talk about what I call the Eden defense. Now, how, I think uh, in, in school, in high school, the only thing I was really good at was English. And I used to really, really, really excel at reading a book and finding the stupidest themes possible and writing essays about them and just like handing in, here's my bullshit and an A plus. Mm-hmm. Hey, mm-hmm. great. I can't really get an A in anything else, but this is pretty, this rocks. So my favorite thing to do was we'd read a book, it could be Hamlet, Handmaid's Tale, we read that in uh, 1984. 
and I'd make a comparison. I'd take a theme and make a comparison to the Garden of Eden. Uh-huh. And any time you could do that, and it's very, very easy, you get an A, automatic A. So if you're out there listening to this, what you got to do is you got to say, okay, let's take a, throw a, a literary um, a kid, like a, a regular high school book at me. Uh, I don't know. Let's say, okay, 1984, because I'm not one very well. Uh, let's say you have Winston, who's dreaming of the golden country, and the golden country represents the Garden of Eden and the innocence trapped there within, and just go on and on and on. And this is what I love about English. This is what I loved about writing. And I got to say, when I was younger, I didn't like school or English class very much because I have like motor skill problems that went kind of untreated for a long, long time because I didn't bother with that mm-hmm. stuff when I was a kid. But when I finally learned how to type, that's when everything kind of woke up in my head. By the way, I learned how to type on a typewriter. Uh, that, that's how they how they trained us in high school. I was the last class to do that. And uh, yet Eric's shaking his head. I swear to God, no, it's true. No, we got rid of those for a reason. Uh, yeah, yeah oh, no, I we agree. Were talking, we were writing on word processors. They were Apple IIs, but we were writing on them. No, the reason they did this is because they didn't want us to erase our mistakes. And every uh, mistake was docked. That woman was a oh, Viking what? who trained That's us. Yeah, stupid. No, we, we had one teacher like that when we were learning cursive who was like, we had to write cursive in pen so that way we could uh, erase kill me <laughs> a letter if we messed it up. Yeah. When I use um, cursive so much now. Yeah. When I was in grades one, two, and three, it was kind of a combined class. And uh, every year, the kids with the good printing, because we do like test printing every week, the kids with the good printing, we promoted and learn how to do cursive. My older brother was the first, like w- within the first class to do that because we, we went in the same, um, kind of in the same group for a while. I was the very, very, very last. They only taught me cursive because they had to. They had no choice. They was like, mm-hmm. okay, let's drag Nadia in here with the rest of the, the people <laughs> who don't know how to hold pencils and let's, let's try to teach these children. So yeah, the point is compare the Garden of Eden to everything that you write. It is never a crime. It is always morally correct. In the Garden correct. of Eden, honey. It's, it's such a, an easy metaphor. It's original oh sin. God. It's original sin. It Everything is. is it's, the it's, apple I love, or I love the snake. Or, I love a divinity. Yeah, yeah. Here's the thing, I, though. Growing up Jewish, we don't have original sin. So that was all weird, very weird to me to learn that stuff by second hand. So this the idea is like, okay, just, I actually like that. Every, or just pick song lyrics and break them down. Everyone wants to rule the rule world. The something world. Like, yeah, yeah, you can yeah. do that. Um, mm-hmm. I had a teacher, a writing teacher, do that with Oasis, and I got in trouble because I pointed out that he got the lyrics wrong. He he was really mad about that. that I pointed that out. Some might say, I know that uh, if I know some might say off by heart, I'm going to tell you if you got the lyrics wrong. Sorry, dude. Just because you're the teacher doesn't mean you're right. I somehow worked in the uh, the the song from um, the Simpsons where they're the, the monorail song. Oh, monorail. the monorail! Yeah, I was yeah. referencing that in a, a breakdown of the Harlem Renaissance or something like that. Don't ask me how I did it. I did what? it. Isn't that what makes English fun though? When you get to Not do like that, that sort of stuff, I got a freaking A on that paper. Oh, that's right. Good, good. Yeah. You should have. I, uh... I learned nothing. <laughs> I once wrote like the worst episode. I wrote the worst essay ever about Hamlet. And I think I used some terrible metaphor like that. And I was just like writing another test at the end of the year. And my English teacher actually came up and told me like, that was the best thing you've ever written. Like, (laughs) thank you, sir. Yeah, (laughs) I I did something on Heart of Darkness and compared it to Metallica's song called One. Yeah. And oh, cool. good job. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, yo, I got a, I got a fucking Ding. A on that shit. <laughs> Ding. Yeah. 
Um, that was no, that's my my senior thesis in high school. I was all about like existentialism and how can you like define crime and judge others for it. And I'm still mad about it because I walked out of there and did not get a perfect score because I didn't reference enough biblical metaphors in it. What? When Is I this like Texas? Is this a Texas thing? Yeah. Well, because no, it was like, what the fuck? They had like a criteria basically that was like use X number of different kinds of metaphors because that's like how you judge if somebody oh. like holistically examined the theses or whatever. I compared the main character to Jesus. I don't like. I, I think I should get. That's a double whammy, that's right? That's ten I, points, right I should there. get. I should get bonus points for that. I I stretched on that reach. Okay, like I'm still mad. Did about you know that. that I actually read uh, Narnia, like all of it, and I had no idea Aslan was supposed to be oh, Jesus. The, the Jesus allegory line. <laughs> Jesus allegory line. Yes. <laughs> what, that, what kind of thing is that to ask? The Jesus allegory line. Yes. I was. I was going to ask. Sorry, Go I was going to ask. Um, may, I, maybe I know, but what's original sin? <laughs> like, like it's, the concept yeah. of like Adam and Eve being born in the garden and Women theoretically, theoretically being pure, but then they commit the original sin of being tempted by the fruit of knowledge and, mm-hmm. uh, by the snake who is supposed to be Lucifer. Yeah. Uh, or okay. Satan, depending on your definition of the character, but um, like, how does that relate? I thought it was Lilith. What does that got to do with no, me? No, Lilith is something like, else completely. No, Lilith is something different. That you're getting into like the Look, I like what, the Dead Sea Scrolls and stuff. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but like, Evangel- uh, you probably learned more from Evangelion than I did from Hebrew school. Yeah, frankly. The, the idea is that like at some point, theoretically, humans are without sin, and then they commit the original sin. That at one point we mm. were pure beings, and then we became impure when we were tempted and that's like well, a, a, a running down, theme throughout like especially uh, biblical texts but also many other things like you if i was going to do the great gatsby i would say that like gatsby is intended to be this like golden pure child who has done nothing wrong but he is obsessed with his original sin which was daisy and he's obsessed with daisy it's it's easy to kind of like shoehorn yeah. that what does the anything. green light mean eric what does it mean? Sometimes it's just sometimes a dude just wants to harpoon a whale, and there's nothing more about it. Okay, <laughs> sometimes a dude just wants to stab a whale. From hell's <laughs> heart, I stab at thee. Yeah, a good hate's sake, I spit my last breath at thee. As Sardin points out, this is not like an original concept because Greek mythology has Pandora opening the box yeah. and things like that. There's there are always concepts of like temptation. Actually, Greek myth has the one of um, was it? Uh, who played the lute? Played all the music and stuff. Orpheus, no, Orpheus, yeah, yeah. No, Orpheus had the harp because he's he's walking. Yeah, he's walking out of Hades and he's with somebody. And if if they look back, they oh, is that Eurydice? Yeah, Uh, Eurydice. And I mean, the Bible has like turning around to look at Sodom and Gomorrah being burned and turned into a pillar of salt. Like it's it's all over the place. So yeah, it's funny though. Like. Can Again, you tell I whole, was in advanced whole, like, placement English. <laughs> yes. The whole Jew thing. I never heard about how the snake was Satan. Uh, at most, he was Samael, the angel of death. There's just yeah. no Satan in Damn. Judaism. I mean, there is, but he's I'm, he's nothing. He like he's well, the contrary. He's like a contrarian at worst. Not gonna lie, I, mean, I only like, know these names because of Shin Megami Tensei. <laughs> Yes, <laughs> uh, my hey, look, understanding that's... of Bibles and and mythology. At least as an adult, 
is you know smt5 taught me so much <laughs> see I, I i like this stuff i've liked this stuff since i was young and when i was little it was mostly because like hey cool they're like gods throwing thunderbolts and stuff like that but as i've gotten older i think it's interesting to see how humans understand basic concepts and then try to create stories around them to teach them to other people mm-hmm. and that is like really fascinating to me so I don't know how I ended up in games journalism, but I've actually <laughs> wanted very much to do a book or something like that about the how the, just all the Jewish legends linked up to, say, games like SMT and mm-hmm. Persona, because there's a lot there. Yeah. And they do a lot of really interesting things. I said this before with the designs and stuff like the the demons are designed to very much look like how they're described in the Talmud, except maybe biblically with, with, accurate angels. Yeah, except with maybe less clothes. But like, you know, still <laughs> yeah. like. It's all. I really love the design for the Dybbuk, which is a kind of the evil spirit that possesses people in Jewish religion. Like they have a really, really kind of frightening version of that in SMT. So yeah, mm-hmm. I'd like to. I'd like to get that done someday. In Japan, Christianity is just kind of metal. Uh, it is. Yeah. <laughs> I, I did a tweet the other day about how like Japan just likes to crucify robots. Like your symbolism. Not? It looks cool. <laughs> it I mean, just like uh, America co-opted elements from Japanese mythology and yeah, religion. Yeah, I always yeah. think fair is fair. Yeah. Like, yeah. this is our our ninja who's actually a samurai. Like, okay, fine. Here's our god. Here's your god nailed to a cross. Now who's the asshole? <laughs> <laughs> and on that note, so ends another episode of Acts of the Blood God. Thank you so much for listening. If you want to support the podcast, can I recommend that you go and leave a review on the podcatcher of your choice? Helps visibility of the show. You can go click the little, like, I like Acts of the Blood God on Spotify, that kind of thing. Um, you can also support us on Patreon, patreon.com slash bloodgodpod, where your generous donation helps the show keep the show going. And for just $1, you'll get on the Discord. And uh, for $5, you can get access to, well, actually for what just $1, you can access, get access to our ad-free version as well, which is very cool. So that's nice. It's a nice little perk. But um, Michael, Diego, you're our special guests. Where can we find you? You can find me and all of my bullshit at Michael P.I.M. on Twitter and hit video game website, fanby.com. That's fanby.com. Get all your, click all the links, check out all the stories and the linkshell.com for all our Final Fantasy 14 coverage because boy, howdy. Final <laughs> Fantasy 14 patch 6.2 is going to be absolutely wild. And me, here it comes. Friend of the show, Mike Williams, uh, Andrea Sharon, uh, we are going to be on top of covering that. It's going to be, it's going to be a good time. I actually, uh, quick interruption. I was, I when I started the game up one day, I teleported right on top of Mike. <laughs> he was just, he was sitting in this little window, like crafting. I just pop right on top oh, of him, oh, like, "Hey, how's hi. it going?" <laughs> uh, you can find me uh, on Twitter at dealerwello66. That's Arwello. Uh You can also find me on fanbyte.com uh, and other sites. Uh, and as for like other projects on my end, I also have a podcast with. Uh, Shay Castillo about Ace of, the Ace Attorney series called Tsunaba Breakdown. It's a lot of fun. Uh, it's mostly Shay talking about Edgeworth and me being like, mm-hmm, okay, I support <laughs> this. Um, <laughs> that's, that's how it goes, basically. Uh, and I also run into Spine, and I'm always publishing uh, Cool War from a lot of freelancers all over the world. Uh, and yeah. We're heading over to the post show right now with the Stars of Destiny, so please look forward to that but in the meantime for nadia eric michael diego and myself thanks for listening and happy adventure